Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It's that time. Time to talk. The phone number 877-973-7425. We'll go easy on you on the phones today. They're wide open. Again, 877-973-7425. I, I, I keep shaking up the show in my head. Uh, we'll get to the Lee Zeldin attack, but I, I, I'm actually curious. I'm fascinated. Uh, the battleground poll is out and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about the battleground poll. Why is that? It's the AARP battleground poll. It used to be one of those things that everybody watched. Why is nobody talking about the battleground poll? It's a poll of the 56 most competitive battleground house districts. They don't do a nationwide survey. They survey the 56 most competitive house districts. And, and they, it's not just any pollster who does the battleground survey. One of the reasons the battleground survey is typically paid attention to is that it's not a nationwide survey. It's just looking at the battlegrounds. It looks at 56 of the most competitive battlegrounds around the country and sees how things shape up there. Uh, what are the the battlegrounds? Well, they get them from the Cook Political Index. Let me give you an idea of how they're shaping up right now. Let me just give you the, the battlegrounds for the Democrats. Uh, California 13, Illinois 17, Indiana 1, Kansas 3, Maine 2, Michigan 7, Michigan 8, Minnesota 2, New Hampshire 1, New Hampshire 2, Nevada 1, Nevada 3, Nevada 4, Nevada, or New York 3, New York 18, New York 19, Ohio 9, Ohio 13, Oregon 5, Pennsylvania 8, Pennsylvania 17, Rhode Island 2, Texas 28, Virginia 2, Virginia 7, Washington 8, and then on the Republican side, California 22, California 27, Colorado 8, Michigan 3, North Carolina 13, New Mexico 2, New York 22, Ohio 1. So you get a pretty broad spectrum across the country. But it's definitely the battlegrounds. It is parts of California. It is parts of Maine and lots of Michigan, lots of New Hampshire, lots of Nevada, lots of New York with the redistricting, Ohio and Pennsylvania and Virginia, really swingy parts of the country. And it's not just any pollster who does it. It's the president's pollsters, Trump's pollster and Biden's pollster. Tony Fabrizio and John Azalone do the AARP battleground survey. I'm just, I'm shocked. So it came out yesterday and, and nobody's been talking about the battleground survey. Nobody's talking about it. And I can only think it's because, well, most polls that come out do nationwide polling. They don't break it into swing districts. Swing districts tend to be a little more variable, but I suspect it's the results in this, those 56 swing districts, 50% of voters approve of Trump and only 37% approve of Biden. I know. But wait, there's more. 
the Republicans hold a four-point advantage, 46 to 42. By the way, the poll also found a gaping disconnect between the priorities of Democrat and Republican voters. Half of Republicans polled say the economy is their top issue. For Democrats, 26% say economic issues, abortions at 20, and voting rights at 13. Respondents rated Republicans as the party best equipped to deal with economic concerns, crime, and immigration. Democrats had an advantage on abortion, health care, and Social Security. Uh, by the way, this poll also shows Democrats losing ground with non-white voters, including Hispanic and Asian American voters. The poll found Democrats only hold a three-point lead on the congressional ballot among Asian Americans and a five-point lead among Hispanics over 50. Compare that to Brian Kemp down in Georgia has a 60% lead in Georgia with Hispanics over 50 and a uh, 55% lead with Asian Americans nationwide. The Democrats barely have a lead. Now, individual, individual Democrats could do well against weak Republican candidates. Republicans have some clunkers of candidates. That's part of the problem here. Democrats have poured some money in. In fact, we now know uh, that Governor Pritzker in Illinois, the Democrat, gave $22 million to the Democratic Governors Association, which turned around and spent $19 million to prop up a terrible Republican candidate in Illinois who is now the Republican nominee. That's right, Republicans fell for it again. But y'all, I, I just I find this fascinating that there's not a ton of buzz here on the battleground survey. And you know, we know from the last several years that nationwide surveys have a bias towards the Democrats. Nationwide surveys have a bias towards the Democrats and the way they sample and the way they vet. And uh, more and more people are saying it looks more and more like Democrats are more willing to talk to pollsters than Republicans. I, by the way, actually think that is true. I think that there is a bias in that Democrats are vastly more willing at this point to try to game the pollsters in ways Republicans are skeptical. They think it's the mainstream media calling. They don't want to talk to the media. They think they're a bunch of liars. Uh, there's clearly a bias towards Democrats in most polling. And in fact, uh, overwhelmingly, pollsters will admit that that is the case. I mean, remember, a while back, the Democrats after 2020 got the polling so wrong, particularly in congressional races, they were wondering what they could do to fix it. And the answer is, ah, got nothing. We don't know. Sorry. I, if I were a Democrat, would be a little worried. There are some national polls out there right now that show the Republican generic ballot advantage collapsing. You know, the Democrats are out there. It's abortion. It's abortion. It's abortion. They're going to lose because of abortion. I don't think that's the case. Because Remember, the generic ballot has undercounted Republican strength. With the exception of 2018, it's it, it greatly undercounted Republican strength. And it's true, Democrats have a grassroots fundraising advantage. Republican grassroots donors are not giving as much this time, but part of that is economic. 
Democratic grassroots operatives or donors tend to be wealthier than Republicans. The Republicans tend to be giving more to church and charity right now. The Democrats are almost, it's a tithe among the Democrats now. Religious giving to the Democratic cause is part of it. Uh, You're seeing this, and, and I'm convinced that's what it is, by the way, because you have been seeing over the last number of years this growing trend of Democrats uh, and de- Democratic supporters give money to politicians at a rate that exceeds the rate Republican small donors give. Meanwhile, Republican small donors are more likely to give to local charities and churches. I think it's becoming almost a religious obligation of the secular set to give money to political causes and candidates. And so you're going to keep seeing Democrats do that. Stacey Abrams down in Georgia has a massive spending advantage against Brian Kemp, a massive spending advantage. In fact, it's one of the things that gives a a pause to Republicans in Georgia that Abrams has so much money. But, but here's the thing. Only 14% of Stacey Abrams' money has come from the state of Georgia. Only 14%. Stacey Abrams is overwhelmingly funded by people from California. And then uh, New England, New York and Delaware and Massachusetts and Connecticut exceed the amount of money she's gotten from Georgia. So Brian Kemp has raised $26.2 million down in Georgia from Georgians. Stacey Abrams has only raised $7 million from people in Georgia. Abrams has raised $10.2 million from California, $6.4 million from the District of Columbia, almost tied with Georgia. From New York and Delaware, Abrams has raised, what, $6.1 million. So New York and Delaware combined almost match what she's raised in Georgia. She's got unitemized donations of $6.7 million. She's got 6.4 from D.C., 10.2 from California. Now contrast that to Kemp. Uh, now Abrams has raised $49 million, uh, 49.6. Kemp has raised 31.5, but $26.2 million of Kemp's money has come from Georgia. Now, why this matters? Well... Their votes, their votes, people from California, New York, Delaware, Florida, Connecticut, Massachusetts, District of Columbia, they can't vote for Stacey Abrams. The Georgians can, and there are far less people in Georgia supporting her. You should know the Cook Political Index this morning has moved Georgia into the lean Republican camp. The growing consensus is that Kemp wins re-election among uh, the the party and, and um, outside objective prognosticators of politics, they're thinking Kemp wins. When you have a generic ballot uh, question in the 56 swingiest districts in the country and they're all going uh, Republican and they've got, most importantly, uh, Donald Trump at a 50% approval rating in the 56 swingiest districts in the country, the Democrats have all sorts of problems. Uh, the January 6th stuff has has soaked in to the Democrats and the media. They really think they've damaged Donald Trump. They should pay attention to the fact that 56% or 50% of voters in the swingiest 56 uh, districts in the country, they like Trump more than they like Biden. The January 6th stuff has not helped as much as they would like to think. And the gap between Democrats and Republicans continued to narrow. I, I saw Ron Brownstein 
Ron Brownstein is somebody who is is, is essentially he's been a, a political observer at the Los Angeles Times and, and uh, CNN for a long time. He, he's a definitely a liberal, definitely a progressive, and he definitely has as one of the people who over years has said, well, you know, demography is destiny. The GOP is a shrinking coalition of white voters, and he's pushing back on the idea that there's a Hispanic movement to the GOP. He thinks it's basically a temporary economic thing. I don't think so. Now, his his whole shtick has been demography's destiny, the days of the GOP comes to an end. But this has been going on now since 2016, 2016, 2018, 2020, and headed into 2022. We're seeing Hispanic voters, more and more of them moving to the right as the parties realign. And I don't know if he's so far invested into the Democratic Party, he can't see it. But when you've got the battleground survey of 1,200 likely voters, 1,200 likely voters, in the 56 U.S. House districts that the Cook Political Report rates as leans or toss-up with a margin of error of 2.8%. And it finds the Republicans with a four-point generic ballot advantage, Joe Biden with a 36% approval rating, and Donald Trump with a 50% approval rating, and the pollsters are Presidents Trump and Biden's pollsters together, working together to get the data. The Democrats, there should be alarm bells going off in Washington. And I suspect the fact that few people are talking about the battleground survey is the alarm bell going off. They would prefer not to make eye contact with it. Fascinating stuff. Also, another data point that doom is coming. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep. The sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bolin Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They They're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Bolin Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolinBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a broadcast reader, we use Bowl and Branch. You should too. Bowlandbranch.com for 20% off sidewide. It's a free for all on the phones today. Open lines 877 973 7425. You get to help steer the conversation today. I mentioned uh, the Cook Political Report. It's actually rather uh, big news uh, down in Georgia. It has national reverberations in large part because of the donor class uh, of the Democratic Party. Uh, The Cook Political Index has moved Georgia, despite Stacey Abrams' significant fundraising advantage over Brian Kemp, has moved it uh, from toss-up to leans Republican. A bipartisan survey... From the AARP, from Fabrizio Lee and Associates, Trump's pollster, and Democratic firm Impact Research, which polled for Biden, showed Kemp leading Abrams by seven points, 52 to 50, uh, 45. 
Notably, those numbers came in, in as in is true of the toss-up Senate race. You got Warnock 50 to Herschel Walker 47. There is clearly a crossover block of Kemp Warnock voters, unicorns, that the AJC's Greg Bluestein dove into. Says a lot more about Walker's weakness as a candidate. The polling shows no lingering antipathy post-primary, with both 95% of Republicans and Democrats say they'd back their party's nominees. Kemp is winning independent voters by 14 points in Georgia. It's the over 50% number that's really the driving force for our ratings change. At this juncture, when an incumbent is facing negative ads and still consistently pulling a majority of the vote in the most recent polling, it's noteworthy. Kemp and Abrams are virtually universally known, and Kemp's lead has been remarkably steady, averaging 5.5 points. How bad is it for Stacey Abrams in Georgia? Here's how bad it is. Brian Kemp's internal polling has him doing worse, still winning, but only by five points, than the public polling that has him winning by seven or eight points. That's how bad it is for Abrams. She may have a massive pile of money, but they both have 97% name ID. Kemp is winning independence in the public polling by 14 points. He actually, this is the most remarkable thing for me. Normally, when you release an internal poll, and I talked about Kemp's internal polling that he released, 25% of young black men going for Kemp, uh, Hispanics going for Kemp at about 60%, Asian Americans going for him over 50%, uh, white women, white men both going for him, independents overwhelmingly going for him. When you release an internal poll, and you're not keeping it private. Like, for example, in the primary, Brian Kemp never, ever released his internal polling. He didn't need to. He didn't want the stories. He knew he was winning. When you release an internal poll for the public, you're trying to manufacture a news story to benefit yourself. For example, when David Perdue was running against Brian Kemp, he would release his internal polling that showed he was crushing Brian Kemp, and the news media dutifully would report it. Oh, his internal says he's beating Kemp. It was a PR stunt. Kemp, for the first time, released his internal polling last week. This is how bad it is for Stacey Abrams. For the first time, Brian Kemp has released his internal polling, and his internal polling shows him beating Stacey Abrams by five points, 25% of black men under 35 going for Kemp, over 60% of Hispanics for Kemp, over 50% of of, uh, Asian Americans for Kemp, Uh, 14-point lead with independence, winning white women, winning white men overwhelmingly, and yet, and yet, Brian Kemp's internal polling that shows him crushing Stacey Abrams has him underperforming all of the public polling that has him doing seven or eight points. I can't remember a time when a candidate released an internal poll that showed him not doing nearly as well as the public polling and yet still doing well. That's how bad it is for Abrams when Kemp's polling underperforms and still kicks her butt. The public polling has him crushing her. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. It's a Friday. We'll free things up for you here. I can't let this go. I got to spend some more time on this. I I, got to talk about this a little longer. It's an interesting contrast, I think. If Ron DeSantis 
in Florida running for re-election this year, and you have Brian Kemp in Georgia running for re-election. The American media has gone overboard ignoring Brian Kemp and playing up Stacey Abrams in Georgia and ignoring Ron DeSantis's opponents and attacking Ron DeSantis in Florida. Now, both Kemp and DeSantis are going to win re-election. What I find interesting and notable is that the way the media covers these two races is about the future. They're roughing DeSantis up, not because of 2022, but because of 2024. They're attacking Ron DeSantis in Florida because they are convinced he will be the Republican nominee in 2024. They're convinced of it, and they want to do everything they can to either stop him or make him such a uh, radioactive candidate in 2024 that he can't beat whoever the Democrat is. That's the entire media playbook nationally. Everything DeSantis has done in Florida about COVID has been following the science. You know, a very dear friend of mine, very upset with DeSantis for not closing the beaches during COVID. You had all those people out there. Actually, the science has always said, as DeSantis himself pointed out, that being outside in the sun and fresh air is the absolute best place to be. There is not a single case of COVID traced back to any beach in America. It is interesting to watch the media narrative shape the minds of some fairly smart people. They are smart people. This guy's a very smart person. But he's upset that DeSantis did not close beaches in Florida when actually you wanted people to be outside in the sun to avoid getting COVID. And the media has just gone after DeSantis repeatedly. Now, DeSantis, in his part, is single-mindedly focused on 2022. Let me give you two examples. The primary has not yet happened in Florida. He doesn't really have any opposition in the primary anyway. The, uh, the, the, the fight is on the Democratic side. You got that wackadoo Nikki woman uh, and, and uh, the original orange man himself, Charlie Crist, running against each other. DeSantis has gone out west to do fundraisers. And the national headlines are, this is all about 2024. You know who else has gone out west to do fundraisers? Brian Kemp. Governor of Georgia. In fact, Brian Kemp, uh, about two weeks before the primary, went out to Texas. George W. Bush showed up at a fundraiser for Brian Kemp at a big Texas donor's house. They raised a lot of money. You didn't hear the media talk about this is all about 2024. No, no, no. What the media does is they focus on Stacey Abrams for 2024. The media has has uh, unrelentingly praised and and puffed up Stacey Abrams as a future Democratic presidential candidate. The reality is, if Abrams is stopped in Georgia now, her political career comes to an abrupt halt. Certainly, she could run in twenty twenty four, but she's not going to get very far. She will have lost right. I mean, for perspective, people. The only race Stacey Abrams has ever won was a largely uncontested Democratic House seat in the state legislature in Georgia. That's it. She's never a mayor. She's never a county commissioner. 
has no executive experience in politics. She was just a state House member in Georgia. She became the House Minority Leader. And the Democrats insist you refer to her as leader. You know, what I I find so funny, people outside Georgia don't know this. You know what the Democrats in Georgia derisively call Stacey Abrams behind her back? Queen. They refer to her as Queen. They're all scared of her because she's got a big grassroots organization nationwide, a big fundraising operation. They need and want her money. They're using her. It's all transactional. The moment Abrams loses this time, it will be like the the the, the uh, what the the guys in the hats in the Wizard of Oz when the Wicked Witch of the West melts and they all start cheering after she's dead. They're they're all defending her to the moment she's melted away, and then they're like, "Yes, yes, thank you, thank you for liberating us, Brian Kemp." The number of Democrats I know who are probably going to go into the polls and vote for Brian Kemp just to be free of Stacey Abrams is, is, I know several. Anecdotes and data, and there aren't a lot, but there are some. They're they're tired of her. I mean, behind the scenes, members of the state legislature who are Democrats refer to her as Queen and Her Majesty. And they don't mean it lovingly. But the national media doesn't know. And this is the, the dynamic here. The national media doesn't really know. Mark Caputo is a reporter based in Florida. And I pay attention to Mark Caputo's reporting in Florida because Caputo's there. He understands the dynamics. He pays attention. Uh, he He's not a big fan of either side. He, he calls them both out in his reporting. He can be fairly aggressive. Republicans sometimes bristle. Democrats bristle with him. But, you know, the guy... I have decided is one of the straighter shooters in the media. He was with Politico for a while. He's now at NBC News. One of the better pickups, uh, NBC News. He's not a left-wing activist. And he and I have talked several times. Uh, He's interviewed me about Georgia. He's come up to Georgia, and and he's just commented on how the national press doesn't seem to understand the lay of the land in Georgia or Florida. They flat out don't seem to understand. In Florida, Ron DeSantis has been good for business. In Florida, Ron DeSantis actually has a lot of Democrats who like him. His national caricature, if you will, in the media is some sort of aggressive Trump wannabe populist who's a culture warrior. In Florida, he's a businessman. He's great for business in Florida. He's great for employment in Florida. He's great for the businesses of Florida. Uh, The Disney stuff was a culture war fight that solidified him with the right And by the way, a lot of people in Florida actually appreciated it. They don't like Disney's big clout that's growing in Florida and Disney's dominance in the Florida legislature and getting everything they want at the expense of other Disney businesses. He's played his hand right. But you don't get those nuances. You don't get the local nuances from the national press where so many people get their news. It's why local reporting matters so much. It's why a guy like Caputo in Florida as a national reporter matters a lot because he conveys the nuances in Florida way better than any of the other national reporters who only go to Florida to take their family to Disney World or to cover politics every two to four years. But the same phenomenon is happening in Georgia with Stacey Abrams. Her fundraising is dominant. Her, I mean, she's she's raised, what, 10, 15 million more dollars, 20 million more dollars than Brian Kemp. But it's all come from out of state. Only 14% of her money has come from in-state. Now, listen, I know something about politics. I got myself elected. I've gotten lots of other people elected to uh, state legislatures, uh, in Congress. I, I know how to run campaigns. And repeatedly, one of the chief weaknesses 
is when the other candidate dominates you in fundraising, but all their money comes from out of state. One of the things is it becomes an attack. It becomes an attack on the candidate. It's only a matter of time when Abrams tries to attack Brian Kemp that he runs an ad. All but 14% of Stacey Abrams' money has come from California, New York, and other liberal states. Brian Kemp's raised 85% of his money from fellow Georgians. Who do you think Stacey Abrams' interests will be when she gets to the Gold Dome? Yours or California's? Stacey Abrams has raised more money from people in California than people in Georgia. She is an internet phenomenon created by the media and funded by a bunch of white people who feel guilty they didn't give her enough money in 2018. They sent it all to Beto O'Rourke. She is the candidate of white guilt. She is the black Beto O'Rourke this time. She gets glowing headlines from the national press. She gets front page magazine profiles. She gets cameos in Star Trek, for God's sakes. She raises a massive amount of, from Hollywood, and she's losing. Because the national press has played her up in a way they have criticized Ron DeSantis. They are forward-looking with her in a way that they attack Ron DeSantis. She's a 2024 contender, don't you know? She's not if she loses this time. She may still run, but she won't get anywhere. She'll be a repeat loser in Georgia. They won't be able to say this time. It's not going to be close. They won't be able to say that uh, she somehow uh, was deprived of a win, that Brian Kemp stole it, that they suppressed the vote. I mean, it is remarkable that Brian Kemp's polling, internal polling, that he never leaks, finally leaked it. He wanted to cause a media sensation with this, and he got the media sensation he wanted. I mean, all the national reporters out there say, wait a second. All of her money comes from California, and she's running in Georgia. All of his money comes from Georgia, and he's running in Georgia. This is a problem. Wait a second. He's winning Hispanics. He's winning Asian Americans. Turns out those voters still blame her for the All-Star game leaving Georgia. USA Today may have allowed her to edit her op-ed in USA Today calling for the boycott to so that she could say she never called for the boycott, but she did it. These voters know it. They were deprived of $10 million in revenue by the Major League Baseball All-Star Game going to Colorado. If anything, uh, Brian Kemp should give a big wet kiss to Rob Manfred because Manfred's politically correct screw-up has helped Brian Kemp win re-election. We're not even to the general election yet, but we all know what's going to happen. It is remarkable in Brian Kemp's internal polling, he is five points ahead of Abrams, and all of the public polling now has him more than five points ahead of her. Normally, if you release an internal poll, you're showing yourself dominating the field. Kemp's showing him with a conservative five-point lead. It's the battleground poll that has him with a seven-point lead. It's dominant. Stacey Abrams is the Beto O'Rourke of 2022. She is the candidate that the media adores and puts on covers and puts on TV and makes their inevitable choice. And like Beto, she's going to lose. And the reason, the reason she is the Black Beto O'Rourke of 2022 is because in 2018, 
All of these same good white liberals poured money into Beto O'Rourke to beat Ted Cruz, and he lost. And Abrams came close to losing in a runoff, didn't get to the runoff. And they've convinced themselves if only they'd given her money then, she'd have beaten Brian Kemp. She wouldn't have. She would have come closer, but she still would have lost. But they don't realize that, and they're making her be Beto this time. She is Beto O'Rourke this time. You know, one of the great organizations out there helping defeat candidates like Stacey Abrams and drive up the conservative movement is Patriot Mobile. By you being a customer with their guaranteed service quality, you help them generate profits that they then use to fund the conservative movement. It's genius. The left's been doing this for a while, and finally there's a company on the right that caught on and said, we're going to do it too. They're Christians, they're conservatives, they have great cell phone service nationwide, 5G, data, voice, you name it, at patriotmobile.com. You get free activation with my name at patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You're not calling somebody in Mumbai, you're calling somebody in the good old U.S. of A., and they share your values. They're Christians, conservatives, and they give portion of their profits to those causes, and they also give you great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, if you're a teacher, if you're a gun owner. So many good discounts and free activation with my name. You can even take your existing phone number and port it over to Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hi there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of the program, well, uh, you can't hit Pat Benatar with her best shot anymore. She's decided she's not going to sing it anymore. Um, she said in, in an interview that uh, in light of all the shootings in the country, she just can't do it anymore. She can't sing, hit me with the best shot. Now, hit me with your best shot. Now, hit me with your best shot lyrics. I, I'm pretty sure you're a real tough cookie with a long history of breaking little hearts like the one in me. That's okay. Let's see how you do. Put up your dukes. Let's get down to it. Hit me with your best shot. Why don't you hit me with your best shot? Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. You come on with the come on. You don't fight fair. That's okay. See if I care. Knock me down. It's all in vain. I get right back up on my feet again. Hit me with your best shot. Okay. It has nothing. It actually has to do with smacking somebody. You think after all the, the violence against women, she would stop singing it. Nope, nope. It's, it's a gun. Listen, it's her song. I, I saw a lot of people reacting to this. It has nothing to do with gun violence. Why would you stop singing the song? It's, it's her song. This reminds me of the movie True Lies. Do y'all remember True Lies? I had to order the DVD because you can't get it on streaming. James Cameron has uh, blocked the streaming release 
of True Lies. True Lies, interestingly enough, came out the year um, Forrest Gump was out. Um, there was a there was a, I think Jurassic Park. All of those movies came out the same year. No, no, not Jurassic Park. Um, year Forrest Gump came out. Um, uh, it was nineteen ninety four. Um, at the time, oh, I see. It was Saving Private Ryan, and it was Forrest. Nope, nope, nope. It's not Saving Private Ryan. It was just Forrest Gump that year. Uh, came out. The Shawshank Redemption came out. Um, but here's what's notable. What's notable about it is the same year Forrest Gump came out, True Lies came out. True Lies, believe it or not, True Lies was the first movie to have a uh, eight-figure budget. True Lies was the first movie to have an eight-figure budget. Um, it nope, nope, I'm sorry. First film to have a $100 million budget. First film to cross eight figures into nine figures. So it, it had a $100 million budget, very first movie ever produced that had a $100 million or higher budget. And you can't see it unless you order the DVD off Amazon because of its depiction of Islamic terrorists. James Cameron has decided the way Islamic terrorists was portrayed was racist. And he's now ashamed of what is actually a very good movie. Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. At some point, I'm going to make Philip watch it. I'm sure he hasn't seen it. It was back when Tia Carrera was a thing as well. Bill Paxson's in it. Uh, it's a great movie. It's based on uh, a French book, and they actually spiced it up some, where Arnold Schwarzenegger's an undercover CIA operative. His wife has no idea, and uh, he thinks she's having an affair with him, which she is. She's trying to have a fling with a guy, and then she becomes a spy too. And they recognize it's a great movie. They fight Islamic terrorists, and James Cameron won't let you watch the movie because he now has decided it's a racist depiction, but it was a good movie. First movie ever made with a $100 million budget, also trivia, against Forrest Gump that year. Didn't do as well at the Oscars, but it did better at the box office because Forrest Gump is a terrible movie. Nonetheless, they don't want you to see it anymore. Same with Pat Benatar. She doesn't want you to hear, hit me with your best shot anymore. Oh, well, culture's dying.